is one of my new ones now. I, I put together some new ones today. The detective okay. Nero Wolf. Nero Wolf had a hobby. All right. What did he, what, what was his hobby? His hobby, um. Besides eating. Oh, 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 or raising orchids. Raising wow. orchids. Alright. You pulled that one out of the hat. Do you like Nero Wolf? Yes, I definitely love. I love Nero Wolf. City Green Street. I can sit there seeing him sipping his beer <laughs> when he does that in in, in, in the Nero and the City Green Street version mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's it, it's just great. It's, I mean, they went through. Uh, yeah. Nero Wolf, is, Nero Wolf is so fun. How did you find Yesterday USA? I didn't hear you this I, week. I didn't hear you this I week. I found Yesterday USA um, in a search um, about 1995. Mm -hmm. Wow. I am an actual, an audio kind of person, mm -hmm. more than a visual kind of person. I have been all my life. When I was, um, when I was young and, you know, and still in the crib, um, well, my parents put in a, a transistor radio to help me sleep, and I think that helped to me to like focus more on listening and having the hum in my ear than actually on television and other, uh, other things like other people. And I found it then. It was something I was trying to find something that I could listen to on the radio, uh, you know, you know, on the computer. That could keep me awake at night, or keep keep me occupied. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the type of person who can, you know, evaluate, who, who can, um, you know, turn a TV set on at night and you know, and not look at it, you know, once or but once or twice. So I've been listening for sort of, you know, several years. Yeah. Um, actually, gave you know, got a donation from. Gave Bill a donation and got a book one year. Wow. And um, I've just been a long-time listener. Um, I had a stroke in May of this year. And um given me time to pay attention to it a lot more and appreciate it a lot more. Wow. And um, so I've been able to interact with the station. Um, and it's just, just been a fun experience. Sure. So where, so where, where, where are you? What city? Washington, Washington D.C. Ah, we don't have you. That's a new one for our map, Patricia. I have yeah. dot on my map. Every time we get a caller from a different place, I get to put a dot on my map. How about that? Yep, Washington, D.C. Um, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it, 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 it's like well you got good um, you got good old time radio I know uh, over Wham you on Sunday the big broadcast with uh, Ed Walker yeah. yeah with Ed Walker who, yeah. you know that is um that is a tradition in, in this small apartment yeah um so four hours on Sunday night clock to 11 o'clock yeah um I um you know it is reserved for Ed um you know his first block is one of the best blocks uh, you know, that you can get. It's, yeah. You know, it's yours truly, Johnny Dollar. He's doing the half hours now, but he usually did the serialized ones for a while. Right. Um, Dragnet and then Gunsmoke. That's the first block, no matter what time of year. Yeah. Um, no 
matter what, what else is going on. And then I'll go on to, like last Sunday was um, Thanksgiving, and, you know, the next month will be probably space Christmas theme. Right, right. After that. But, um, you know, um, for Halloween, we pulled out um, uh, the, 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 uh, why am I blanking out on this? Um, Did he play Wars of the World? Orson Welles. Oh, um, Wars of the World? Yeah. Okay. He pulled that out uh -huh. and played it at, at the end of the show, as he does every year. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he also does three skeleton key every Halloween, which is, like, just amazing. That's true. Um, but Ed has been in this area for a long time, and um, he does a great job with that. WAMU has been supporting him for a long time, which is I'm very grateful because there are a lot of places that used to have um, old-time radio that aren't shows on the radio. That's true. Um, that do not. That's true. But they still are, they're still supported, you know. It's, and it's been I you know I moved up here from Miami about 25 years ago. And so I've been listening to Ed since I moved up here, and I wow. played before that. You went in a different direction from what most people do. Most people come oh. down here. They don't go up there from Miami. Oh, no, yeah, that's, that's true. It's just like um, people come down here. Most people do that. It's like I, um, I'm one of those contrarians who, like, decided to come back <laughs> up here just because... You know, the type of work I was doing at the time uh -huh. um, suited me better to come up to come up here. But you're right; most people do the opposite thing. They come down, they come down um, because of you know for the warmth and everything. Right, like that. right. Are you originally? Were you born and raised in Miami? No, I was born and raised in the Midwest. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and raised in Michigan. My goodness, so, you've been around. Yeah, it's like um, then I, you know, like right after college, I went to Miami, and then I was there for a couple of years. Then got to Washington D.C. Washington D.C. is now actually the city I've been in the longest time in my life. Um, but I consider my roots in the Midwest still. I mean, you know, that's where I grew up. Right. What's the neat thing about living in Washington D.C.? If somebody was thinking about moving there, what would be a couple of the really neat things about living in Washington, um, D.C.? It's, first of all, your city mm -hmm. already. Um, so everything that's, that is there is yours. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, you're seeing a part of your history. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing that you're like, you know, you, um, you, you, you can get into touch with. It's mm -hmm. like there's an old Smithsonian Museum um um, collection. Right. There's every single monument that's here. There, there are many, um, you know, that you can visit. Um, the monuments are, have have power in and of themselves. They take on a special power on at night. Mm -hmm. um, they, the, um, you know, even though it's an ugly form of government in terms of how we do it. Mm -hmm. Or whatever, as someone said, is the best form of government. Yeah, Winston Churchill, you bet. Yeah, and you get to see it at work. This is a C-SPAN. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. If you go, if you go in and you get, if you get a chance to go to the gallery, mm-hmm. and you get a chance to visit, you know, the government as when they're in session, you're not watching C-SPAN. You're watching it live. Yeah. Um, it's like it is. You are, you know, and it is. It is. And underneath all of that, it's an actual city for a lot of people, for, for residents. It's like, you know, they're, they're big-time football fans here. It's really crazy. Um, they, um, they're, um, they're into the college football teams. They, um, they, um, they do the same things everyone else does. They have family reunions. Holiday gatherings. Um, you'd be amazed at the things that happen here. You know, on one level, it is the seat of power for you know what is you know the most powerful city, what is the most powerful government in the world. Um, but on the other hand, it's still, it's, it's still a small city. Um, there's, there's you know it's not even a million people. It's like far less than that. Um, and it's, and it is a small, it's like a small city slash big town. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you get a mixture of both. And, um, you know, if you, you know, if, if, you know, it's, it's something that there's always something to do. When you have people who want to come in and they want to see the monuments or something, or they want to see, you know, you know, let's go see this. What where this was, or let's go see um, the Kennedy, you know, the um, Lincoln Memorial, or something like that. My favorite memorial happens to be the Vietnam Veterans Memorial at night. It's just it's it's breathtaking um, because you know it's black. Um, I don't know, I forgot the stone, but it's black and it's you know it's lit it's lit up by lights, and there are people there who've been there all day who left. Poems, notes, flowers, and they, you know, and, and you know, they're scratching, you know, to get names and imprints of people that are on the wall. It's it's, it's simply breathtaking. I mean, some people don't even have, don't say a word, and, it, it, and it's still something that's important to them. Um, and some of the veterans help to maintain it, and that was to maintain. Um, the um, not necessarily the upkeep because it belongs to park service, but they help to um, you know maintain people's knowledge and help them not forget the war or not to forget their buddies. And that that's a big part of what goes on with that monument. It's a living monument. That's such a thing. Um, so you have a city that's actually um, an institution, you know, and that's just, that's the only, that's the best way to describe D.C. Yeah, it, it has a, a very non-traditional cityhood about it because of the government and... The oh, yeah, that's a long debate. Remember, some things we, we don't discuss as far on Bill Bright's station is politics. <laughs> that's very true. It's like, it's not a city, I mean, it's not a state. We do not have a representative in Congress, so um, the term "right to congressman" has no meaning to voters in the District of Columbia mm-hmm. because we do not have a senator, 
we do not have a, represent a formal representative in the House of Representatives. We have what's called a delegate. People can vote in committee, but cannot vote in the House floor. Now, the, now the Constitution does not spell out um, explicit, you know, rules to allow the District of Columbia to have a senator or a um, representative. So that mm -hmm. some people say that's why we don't have it. Um, so, um, it's, but it is a long-standing point. You know, you pay taxes, you serve in wars, um, but you know that that that's that's the way it is. When you move here, that's one thing you say you do sacrifice is that you know that part of government doesn't belong to you. It, it's belong. really, um, and I've always found it a peculiar situation where we have residents, we have citizens, we have people, as you say, who pay taxes and are part of the productive part of our country, and you don't have the representation that everyone else is entitled to. Yeah, and um, I think that some, somehow or another that's going to change, just because we have found ways to compromise on issues in the past, and I think that it's, it's, it, it, it has to change um, somehow in the future. I mean, they, they, got, they got close um, in... Um, a couple of years ago, but it fell through. They were going to um, um, add a, a representative to Utah. Because one of the issues is not just what the representative is, but the fact that, you know, the District of Columbia is predominantly one um, um, party over another. So it's Democratic largely. Mm -hmm. And um, so. They were going to add um, a representative to Utah, which is largely Republican, and that was going to allow everybody to get a balance in the U.S. and the representative. There was not going to be a disturbance of the balance, but that compromise fell through. So they'll work it out. I believe that they'll have to work it out it because will work out. You know, in a nonsensical area, and and this is a departure from the seriousness of the situation that we were just talking about. The Miss America pageant has an entry from the District of Columbia. Why, why don't you have your own representatives in other areas? It's just so peculiar. I mean, it's, it's, it is. It, it's, it, a quirk of it government. Is. It's, it's a quirk of our Constitution. It's a quirk of government. And you're right. There, there eventually will be a resolution or a solution, not a resolution, a solution to the, the situation. But, but it really is a puzzle to me. Yeah, it's, it's baffling to me, and when someone looks at me and says, you don't like it, white Chicagoans, I, I just smile. <laughs> I don't have one. It's amazing how many like, people don't recognize me. point, it's just, guess what, um, you know, and that's about it, you know. Yeah. And, you know, that's so. But we still get along. We still get voice, we get voice heard. We get, our, we get people hear us when we need to be heard, so that's good. Agreed. Well, I'm so glad that we heard from you. This is no, really I'm a glad that I really got a chance to call in. And it's thank really you a treat for us. Much. I do need an address. That's the second thing that Walden was talking about mm -hmm. that you have to do for me. I have an email address. If you would send your mailing address to me, I can get okay. CDs to you. Are you ready? 
Yes. Okay. It's Florida Writer, all one word, F-L-O-R-I-D-A, W-R-I-T-E-R, Florida Writer. Both Florida Writers is common spellings, right? Say that again, please. They're both common spellings? Uh-huh, yes. Florida, okay. F-L-O-R-I-D-A, Writer, W-R-I-T-E-R, and it's together. It's all one word. Florida Writer okay. at Hotmail. Okay. Dot com. Great. And and if we get lost somewhere, you know where we are on Saturday nights. I hope you call back. I will. Welcome to our family. Welcome to our family. It's always good to be here. Let me tell you, it's been good to be here. Like I told Bill the other night, this is, you know, very nice when, you know, it's very quiet in here. And it's like, you know, you feel like you're a part of a family because you hear people talking. You hear people talking about things you like that you have in common. And it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's nice. It's the nice thing about Yesterday USA, we have the ability to go live and just talk. And it's, it's, it's a nice feature of the station. Okay, guys, you have a great night. All right, Murray. Thank you, Murray. Thanks for calling, and uh, have a super week. Be safe. All right. I'll see you at the awesome. You bet. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. There we go. Hey, Washington, D.C. is now represented on Patricia's map. I have a dot for my map. Thank you, Maurice. I really appreciate that. And I haven't had a dot for a very long time. And she'll get a fan card, so that'll be number 40. Uh-huh, that'll ask. be number 40. How about Unless that? Unless I've miscounted. I don't or think I have. Number 40. We're coming up on number 40. This is terrific. We yeah. have a fan club for people who are just joining us. Lucy in New York. And by the way, we have not heard from Lucy I for know. two weeks. Yeah, she's been under the weather. I remember for a while. So, poor yeah. thing. I hope she's doing better. But uh, I get concerned when I... Yeah. Our, our gang doesn't check in with us on Saturday nights. That's but right. Lucy is Madam President because she started a fan club that I just, I am so delighted. I get such a smile out of that every mm-hmm. time I think of it. And I get two giggles out of it when I tell you Alden <laughs> is what, Alden? Oh, well, I, Patricia believes I'm the vice president of the Wallpack fan club. <laughs> Walton, Walton accepted the number two card. Mm-hmm. Lucy kept number one yeah. as Madam President, and Walden took number two, which automatically, I think, makes you the vice president of your own fan club, which I think is a hoot. I love that. I laugh every time I think of it. Oh, Patricia. Oh, you're so lovable. Walton. Oh, I know. <laughs> when we need a nickname for Patricia, you know, uh, Ralph... Uh, suggested that we needed a, a we needed a, a a nickname for Patricia because I, you know, I I I lovable is what I coined my faith for the night because Patricia was wondering why, you know. So I said, you know, because I'm lovable. You're lovable. And and Ralph said he, Ralph said keep cuttable. And now <laughs> now Ralph suggested we need a nickname for Patricia, and we do. I nominate adorable. You are adorable. Hey, you know, that would, that would you know, um, Perry Como had uh, the song, I think it was called I Love You, and what he did, he had love term for every letter of the alphabet. 
So A for adorable. You are adorable. Adorable, Patricia. I like that. Oh, thank you, Walter. Yeah, I like even that. If I was, if, even if I'm the one who nominated the name? I think it's a great name, though. It's acceptable? It's acceptable okay. to me, but well, somebody other... else has to, somebody else might come up at the top of <laughs> It's almost scary to think that maybe somebody else might <laughs> call in with a name. <laughs> Um, but that would be fine. Call in with a suggestion. And what do I do with turkey leftovers? 714-545-2071. Well, what does your family do? What do you do? What do your neighbors do? Well, no, Patricia's not going to throw it out. She'll have to do something with it. I, w- I will do something with it. But I'd like something a little bit different than just turkey sandwiches. Okay. Now, it, when you were growing up as a little, 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 little bitty boy, little bitty, 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 bitty girl, you know, like a teeny. Yeah. Yeah. I know it. I what? know. They're teeny. Now. I know. <laughs> now, what, what did what did adorable Patricia and teeny have for, for uh, the day after Thanksgiving? What would a normal, what do you guys do with your turkey? Oh, my goodness. You know, my mom was not the greatest cook in the world. Oh. Well, I mean, you know, when it's just the way it is. Not yep. everybody's mom was a wonderful cook. Yep. And my mom did not qualify in the wonderful cook area. Um, your, grand, had, your grandmother did, but you're not your mom. My grandmother's. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. Yeah. But my mom hated to cook. And when you get somebody who really hates to cook, you don't get anything that's really creative. Uh-huh. Um, that poor turkey was screaming by the time we got to the end. <laughs> it, it was just yelling for mercy. Yeah. So, uh, we would have the Thanksgiving turkey, and then we would get, of course, the leftovers for another meal, and then we would go to um, turkey hash <laughs> and turkey... I've never tried turkey hash. It's, a, it's just a, just a good regular... It's okay. You don't have to. Um, it's not as good as regular hash? Yeah, you're right. You just don't put it on your list, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm saving you. <laughs> and, you know, we would go through a couple of, oh, uh, turkey a la king? Does... I never, I, uh, I uh, okay, I, I... It had some kind of a creamy sauce on it, and... You threw it on a piece of bread. Oh, you know, we, you know what we call that in the Midwest when it's beef. Chip what? beef, beef. Uh, oh, beef the on SOS? toast. Yeah, you know. Uh, well, chip, well, this was chip beef on toast. What we would call it. Yeah. 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 Well, this was turkey. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I see. Right. See, that's it. You know, it's got kind of you know like a creamy thing. Uh huh. Yeah. And then uh, by the end of all of that, the bones would go into a soup pot. Mm-hmm. And it would be flavored water. I mean, it was not, it, it was... It didn't have a turkey, really true turkey bar. The, the best the best part was the bread. Oh. The stuff that you ate. Oh. <laughs> I know, that was the best part. So, um, you know, I, I, I would like a few more, a little bit more creative things than... Okay, so what do we have on Patricia's... Leftover list that she's gonna definitely try the next couple of weeks. Cause yeah. I'm gonna put the stuff in the freezer. I'm not gonna hold a turkey in the refrigerator <laughs> for three weeks. So I will have stuff in the freezer. Okay. But are you gonna besides the soup you're gonna make for yourself? Oh, I love. I mean, really good turkey soup. This stuff is good. Um, are you gonna make anything else? You think? Well, you know, I love. 
love turkey sandwiches. There were times when I would have a turkey sandwich instead of a turkey dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would serve turkey dinner to the whole wide world. Um, what time you took? I consider thirty sit down. That's a that's a fairly good number of people to serve a sit down dinner to. I I like a hot turkey sandwich. Well, I'm. This was a cold turkey. Sandwich. I like those I mean, two I would, too. I would show up with my two slices of bread and say, "Okay, I'll have my turkey now <laughs> and have and have a turkey sandwich." I love turkey sandwich. Yeah. What will you put on it? Um. Do I have to tell you everything? No. Yeah, I will. No, no, you build, don't. I build a Dagwood sandwich. I have. Stuffing on it, and turkey, and a little bit of cranberry sauce. Hey, that's good. Olives and mayonnaise, and then I eat it. Uh, I like that. That's good. Yeah. That's definitely. That's you. You. I like that. Creative. I'm creative. It's it's good. You have that's your whole good. dinner in this in a piece of bread. package. You know. It, it's safe from using a knife and fork. You don't even have to use a knife and that's fork. That's what I mean. The only knife you use is to smear on the mayonnaise. Yeah. It, it saves you from bothering with that stuff. You, you put right. it in the bread. You put it on a paper plate, then you don't even have a plate to wash. That's nice. This is good. Yeah. So, 714-545-2071. And I have a question for the guys. You're a guy. Uh-huh. And you've got guy friends out there who are listening. Yep. I looked up a little bit of information about Cary Grant, who was Mr. Blanding. Correct. His um, his youngest daughter is my age, and I remember that. Anyway, go ahead. Well, the expression was uh, with Cary Grant, everybody wanted to be Cary Grant. Correct. He was such good-looking even when he was in his 80s, practically. Yeah. Well... I want to know, I mean, there we have a whole world full of people and actors um, who are just very cool people, mm-hmm. who have very nice voices, right. who are handsome to look at right. and pleasant to, to watch in roles, but everybody picked, and I say everybody, yeah. I mean, that, that's a terrible broad brush, no. but it was an extremely common thing. For people to want to be Cary Grant, right. not like him, or um, I think I know why. Look like him. They wanted to be Cary Grant. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I think there's a couple. Oh, too. I, I used to hear a sport talk show saying, you know, I wish when I if I if I'm gonna be 80 years old, I wish I still look like Cary Grant because he he was still good looking, distinguished in a later life. He was good-looking and distinguished. I pulled a picture. I went out looking for some information, and I pulled a picture. And it looks like a formal shot. Maybe not. <clears throat> Maybe not. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's dressed up. He's got, you know, yeah. uh, he always looks so neat, you yeah. know, in a suit and tie. Um, and he's 69 in the picture. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, except that they told me it was Cary Grant, I would not have recognized right. him. Right. So I'm thinking it was probably a rotten picture, because people recognized who he was. Yeah. Well, you know who else had that? My, who my mom always loved seeing at the Oscar time, who always looked good until the very with Gregory Peck. Yes. Yes. You know. Great. Um. But I think for guys, what what Cary Grant had, he had savoir faire. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He had he had a sophistication. In other words, he he could be the tough gangster ma, but still female who got who gets dropped dead. You know, he he could be tough. He could be, be street smart, but he had that sophistication, that self-affair. I think all guys. That's an excellent way to describe him with the self-affair. Yeah, all guys what they had. I agree. Yeah. And of course, his voice and his speech. He he was British born. And he had a lot of that stay in his speech, so he had a very um, upper class presentation. I, I think I think English guys have a big advantage in some ways because I, I you know I'm a gigantic fan of Ronald Coleman, probably his speaking mm-hmm. voice, and I would say he had that uh, that sophistication in his vocal structure mm-hmm. that people respected. Um, I think. Kerrigan was also likable. I don't think there was any role that you could not not like Kerrigan. There was some element of his character that he portrayed that was very likable. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, one of the things that I picked on, I picked up, is that he was married five times. Correct. And had a sixth who um, long-term relationship, long-term, seventy-three to seventy-seven. Right. Um, as a partner, but they were not married. Um, so that is six serious relationships yeah. in his lifetime, yeah. which is a staggering. You number. know who discovered him, don't you? Really put him on the map. If you looked at his biography, then you probably know. Well, I, di- I didn't. I just pulled a couple of you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't do really in-depth homework. Walter's going to ask me questions, and yeah. I don't know the answer. Well, I, I'll, I'll start railing some. Oh, he's got Barbara Hutton in here. Yeah. Um, Virginia Cheryl, I don't know that name. No. Betsy Drake, who of course was Mrs. Blanding. Right. Diane Cannon. Right, who she, you see her a lot in the back, the Laker basketball games out here still today. Still, really? Yeah. Still today. Donaldson, who was <laughs> uh, the partner person right. in his life, and then Barbara Harris from 81 to 86. Right, and that's who, uh, I'll talk some more about Kerry Grant. Hello there, you're on with Patricia. Hey, Walden, how are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? Oh, good. Uh, heard heard uh, Patricia talking about her uh, turkey sandwich. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What you got? What recommendation, Jerry? Well, uh, not really recommend anything, but have uh, have you ever heard of Capriati's sandwich sandwiches? Capriati's is a is a as a small chain of sandwich. No, I uh, left out. You, people keep mentioning these wonderful places, and I don't have any. Well, Capriotti's is a is a local family, uh, local here to uh, I'm in Maryland, but they're they started in Delaware and they're in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And uh, a few years ago, one of the family members went out to Las Vegas on vacation, and decided to wanted to live there, so he opened a shop out there. And now I believe there's several shops out in the West out there. Uh, uh, I, without doing a Google search, I don't know exactly where, but mm-hmm. anyway, the, they have a, a sandwich called a Bobby. And it's just about what you described. They have a uh, turkey, cranberry sauce, stuffing, mayo on a roll. Oh yes, somebody who knows how to do it. Oh yeah, it's uh, uh, if you do a search on that, look at the comments from these people from California are buying these sandwiches from from the Philadelphia area and have, you know and getting them brought out to them. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, yeah, do a, do a Google search for uh, for Capriotti's. It's C A P R I O T T I E apostrophe F. 
and uh, uh, take a look at their menu. You'll be, uh, yeah, it's, it's just about what you described. I, I don't remember everything you said you put on it, but Patricia being seven seven. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I. One thing I was doing, Jerry, I was looking at Blondie, and I was uh, doing some research. I did not realize in about four years ago they started to do Blondies and Dagwood sandwich shops. I don't know if it's still going or not, but it was fun to see that because of the Dagwood sandwich, the son of the creator thought it'd be great that they opened up a sandwich shop and they started to open them in Florida. Right. So, I don't know, Patricia. Do we have one here? Uh, yeah, there wasn't that too far from you. Let's see. They've got some in I don't, Maybe they're all gone by now, but it's done in 2006. Well, about 10 miles south of me. Yeah. About 10 miles south of me. I couldn't believe it. What do you know? <laughs> yeah. What do you know? Yeah, to show the Dagwood sandwich is alive and well. All right, so let's see on this menu. They have got sandwiches that they must start building in the morning for the <laughs> for the lunch crowd. Would you look at this? Got hot which What are you looking at now? Well, they've uh, a, a board. It, it's a home page. And I've, for, I've got choices. Oh, these are for Dagwood. Yeah, I can click on hot stuff, which are hot sandwiches. Caps specials, which sounds like something you're talking about. Regular sandwiches. Sub yeah, the caps, caps specials is where that's at. Uh... Okay, let's see what Caps Specials have. Okay, we've got the Bobby. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, that's it. The Bobby. Absolutely acclaimed bestseller homemade turkey cranberry sauce stuffing and mayo. That's it. <laughs> my sandwich. They stole my sandwich. They stole my sandwich. This is terrible. Well, I'm glad somebody. <laughs> Well, it's quite good. I'll, I'll say that for it. Uh, I wonder what kind of bread it's on. Uh, oh, it looks like, well, let's it's, see. It's a, it's a sub roll, but I don't remember what, okay. they, what they use. Yeah, they've got uh, triple-decker sandwiches or the submarine type, you know, the, mm -hmm. the long yeah. Yeah. long rolls. I, I think uh, it, it just... Yeah, the Bobby's, Bobby's on a sub roll, but I don't know uh, what, what type of... Uh, there you go. Put, you, can make, you can make corp sandwiches. That's always good for turkey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you have to have a really big mouth, and I sound like I do, but I really don't. I've got kind of a small mouth. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, you know, when I go to the dentist and he has to take an impression of my teeth, he uses a pediatric thingy. Well, it's a kid thing. It's adorable. I'm adorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't you forget it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Walden is lovable tonight, Jerry. Right. Well, he's not convinced. We can tell that. Yeah. How did you How did you make out for Thanksgiving this year? Oh, good. Yeah, we had uh, uh, a turkey that that we'd raised ourselves here. You know, I have a I have a few acres of grass out here. We grow, you know, beef and turkeys and stuff, and uh, not not to sell, just for family use. You. And uh, so we had one of the turkeys that we raised, and uh, we were quite a bit smaller than last year's. How big? Uh, last year's, I I let them get too big. It was. Uh, the one we cooked dressed out at over 40 pounds. So how big was this year's turkey? Uh, 31 pounds, I believe. 40 pounds dressed out? Yeah, that was dress weight, yeah. It, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really intend for him to get that big, it's, uh, but uh, he did. <laughs> and uh, I changed my feed supplier, and, and I had a better feed. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they just they just put on too much weight, yeah. You 
something you raised? Well, yeah, all the time. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, we keep, uh, keep a few chickens and, you know, Do you name the animal? I was just going to say, did he have a name? Oh, no, we don't, we don't name Well, actually, they did. Uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll raise two to four a year. And, uh, you know, like one will be named Thanksgiving, one will be named Christmas, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh. Did I yeah, the beef you will be like, uh, you know, steak and, uh, you know, uh, hamburger and roast. And <laughs> Did I hear you correctly that you said it takes two to four years to grow a turkey? No, no, no. Uh, it takes uh, about six six months. You know, like typically about 26 weeks for, for a turkey. You're kidding. That's not very long. No. Well, a lot of the, the, the chickens, the meat chickens uh, that you buy, you know, they're like six weeks old when they kill them. You know, when you go to the store and buy buy a chicken. My, 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 a lot of growing. Yeah, my Patricia, my adopt, my uh, grandfather, who my, I guess my step-grandfather, or my dad, his, his grandmother remarried after became a widow in her 70s. And the gentleman that uh, had a turkey farm that raised 50,000 turkeys a year for market. And they would come in the spring, and, they, and then uh, the trucks would come by in the fall. Right. So it's about a six-month cycle. The thing is, you know, when uh, you know, the way we raise them, they uh, you know, our, our uh, animals live on grass. So it's not like the uh, the factory farms that you you know where oh. you have that. You know, I, have, I, I know someone has. Well, I know several lot of people that raise chickens, but uh, hello, Andres. So you mean you don't you don't put a coat and tie on them? No. Nah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nah, these uh, these these stay stay out in the grass. The ones that uh, that you buy, you know, they're pinned up. Uh, okay. They really have no no room to to move around or anything. And uh, you know, it's not the. I, I believe them living a more natural life. I think it's uh, better. You know, it's better for the animal, obviously, but it's better uh, better food also. Uh, I I don't. I'm, I was going to ask how it got from the yard to the table what happened in between but I don't think I want to know well I I don't have the heart to uh, to, to address them uh, I almost don't even want to take them to the to the butcher but I have a have a butcher that dresses them for me uh, turkeys he's uh, usually charges me five dollars to dress a turkey I think he's going up going up this year to ten uh, but uh, you know you take him a live turkey and he'll they'll uh, that's very inexpensive for a really terrible job. Do you think? Do you know how much it probably costs you in feed for six months? You think it? You think? Oh yeah, you, you can. You can. Uh, you, you can. You cannot uh, feed one for what you can buy one for at the Acme. Uh, so it costs you more. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, but see uh, a natural grass-fed turkey uh, around my area. There, uh, I haven't checked prices this year, but. Uh, they're probably up around 260, 270 a pound. Mm. So when you look at it that way, you know, uh, a 40, a 40 pound bird would cost you a hundred dollars. You know, uh, yeah, eighty dollars yeah. or so. But that's, anyway, uh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, they, usually the usually you let them get to about uh, you know 18 to 20 pounds is mm -hmm. the market range you're looking for uh, dress weight. But uh, how much did it cost you to keep? this turkey until he was ready 
to get his tuxedo on? Uh, I have to think about it a minute. I probably had, I probably had forty dollars or so in them. Uh, I paid. Uh, I usually buy buy my uh, my birds after they're started, so uh, I'll pay five to seven dollars for the birds when they're uh, ready to go out on grass. And uh, then the butcher charged me, well, like I say, he's raising his price now to ten dollars. So. Right there, you have seventeen dollars in it, and then you'll have another twenty dollars or so in feed. And this actually tastes better enough that it's worth going through all of this. Oh yeah, 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 and and it's healthier. It's better meat. You tell me lots of stuff, and I believe you, Jerry. So, you know, if you sneak something in there one night, I'll believe it. What's that now? Uh, it. I believe everything you tell me. So um, that's that's just a heads up that I'm kind of gullible. So um, I'm believing everything that you tell me. Well, no, I mean that's that's true. Uh, if you, if you're inter interested in that sort of stuff, uh, look up uh, Joel uh, Salatin. S A L. I believe it's S A L A T A N or T I T A N. Uh, out of uh, Swoop, Virginia, and he's kind of uh, set up guidelines for uh, for natural grass-fed animals. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's, there's a lot on the internet about him. Just do a Google search on that when you have time to look at it. Uh, Old Salatin Grass Farmer. Yeah. The one? And, I'm uh, supposed to read about him? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that, that kind of tells you, you know, the, the theory and all of it. My butcher's is, is Amish, and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, of course, they have the farm, too, and, uh, and they raise their animals by by those guidelines. Okay. And, uh, hey, I'll know, look. Raise, uh, they raise several hundred turkeys a year. They raise them for both, you know, they have two flocks, one for Christmas, one for Thanksgiving, one for Christmas. But you'd rather raise your own than buy one from him? Uh, well, it's a, it's a little cheaper. Plus, it's uh, it's kind of a learning experience for my, for my grandsons. Because, uh, you know, they learn where things come from. You know, you... Believe it or not, I've had people uh, turn their nose up at, at eggs, you know, like like from local here. Well, you have to go to the store to buy eggs to eat, you know. And, uh, you know, we have a few chickens, and they just can't imagine eating eggs from chickens that you raise, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I've actually had people say that. Well, you have to go to the store to get eggs to eat, you know. Yeah. Which makes no sense, you know. <laughs> So do you have any, uh, that was a lot of bird last year, 40 pounds, um, which means you had leftover turkey. What did you do with it? Well, my wife freezes it, you know, and then uh, she does different stuff through the year. So I, I, I can't give you any recipes. I don't know. And any suggestions? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll just, I have a disappointment there, but I'm, you know, I, I'll just, you know, so, building my sandwiches. You know, she'll, uh, she'll get it out at various times. I mean, it, yeah, that 40-pound bird, after everyone was done, we still had quite a bit to put in the freezer, and it, it lasted a while. Uh, it did. Put it right next to the tuna fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Are you in the market for a question tonight? Uh, no, it's all right. Okay. Yeah. You put it up on the I just had to call you when you mentioned that sandwich. I said, you know, it sounds about like the, like the Bobby that Capricot himself. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I'm just so delighted that you told me about it. I had never heard of them before, and here we've got one about 10 miles from me. The Capriotis? Yeah. 
Oh, really? Okay. Well, like I said, up here, their sandwiches are the best. Uh, they use better quality meats, it seems like, and, uh, uh, you know, they, they really do make a good make a good sandwich. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know about them until so I went out it if you're on a diet. when I were talking, and there it was. It's one in my own area. Uh-huh. So, yeah, go down and try it. See what you think. But I, if I make my own... Okay, I'll do it. Honestly, <laughs> you guys, you guys, give me homework, 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 and this one's going to cost me money too. Yeah, the capistrano sandwich they have on there, I like those pretty good. I like pastrami, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of like a, a New York Reuben. If you read a Reuben sandwich. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's their capistrano. What they call capistrano is sort of like a Reuben. I, I like those. They're pretty good. Sauerkraut on it. Uh, yeah. Don't don't uh, don't. Don't uh, eat this stuff if you're on a diet, though. <laughs> right. Oh, my. Any kind of a diet it. food. They, they start out with two cups of calories and then build from there. Right. So, All right. Well, I'll let you go. Maybe someone else wants to call in. All right, Jerry. Jerry, thanks for calling. Have a great night. All right. Easy to Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we're almost to the breakfast part of the show. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Look at the time. Yes, I we know. are. I know. Just remind everybody the auction is countdown 12 hours away. 12 hours away that you can come out and play. You can come out and play. You go to yesterdayusa.com, click on the link in the gray box at the lower left, uh, lower right part of the page. There's a link to the auction page that gives you an explanation of what's going to go on in a very clear and obvious place near the top of the page, there are words that say, click here, and that will bring you to the list of items that are up for auction. Listen, got to listen to the radio in order to, to participate here. And you can call in. For bids, and the one with the highest bid goes home with the item. And sometimes you go home with a wonderful deal. Um, you just wind up there at the right time, and sometimes people will go and, and grab a snack or go have lunch, and an item comes up, and uh, for one reason or another, and they're all good reasons. Sometimes uh, the bids are very low on items. Sometimes they go very high on items. So. Um, it really is a fun day because you're not quite sure what's going to happen. You're going to go home with a bargain or you're going to pay a fortune, but it's something that you really, really want. And other times it is just normal, what you would consider within normal range for items that are, are going up for bid. So it's a fun day. I hope you'll join us. And all the money goes to the station to keep and it going. money goes to the station, specifically to the station. Yeah. And then every once in a while there are some some kidding going around and Bill will say something like, oh, this is a really great item. I think I'll keep this one. Yeah. That does not happen. That does not happen. And, you know, we there shouldn't be any kidding going on around um, with the with something as, as uh, I was going to say, as serious. But yeah, it's serious. As business-like. As much yeah. fun as it is, it is business. Every cent that comes in uh, from the auction gets set aside and supports 
the operation of the station for the next year. Yep. Paid the bills. It pays the bills. Yeah. So, can do we have time for a Christmas treat tonight? We have time. I mean, I went to bed this afternoon from 1 to 4. I am fresh as a daisy. <laughs> we can stay on to oh, the you're auction time. Lovable, you're a lovable flower. I know. We can stay, up, we can stay on to the auction time if you want for another 12 more hours, but I know you need to lay down sometime before you... Well, at one time or another, but I'm all bushy-tailed right now. All right. So what, what do you want to do? Uh, I want I want to play a Christmas treat. If all right. Go, go right ahead. I sent to Walden today um, an MP3, uh, an audio file, and asked if we could have a special Christmas treat. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this signals, I mean, yesterday was Black Friday. Um, and by the way, anybody who knows what Black Friday means, where the term, uh, what the term refers to today, give us a call because I knew, and oh boy, I was so proud of myself. I, I never heard of it until the last few years. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, it's been around for quite a while. I never have heard of it. it it's it. You're right. It's it's become. And there's something about Monday. What what is Super Monday? Is it's an internet, uh, internet Monday or super super internet Monday. On Monday, the internet places where you buy mm. will have terrific sales. Mm. So the retailers are on that Friday, and then on Monday the internet people go crazy. So you can get out and look for good bargains on the internet sites that you would like to shop at. So anyhow, here is the Christmas treat. Every Saturday. Until Christmas, when we have a real big Christmas blowout, I'm going to pull together our, or pull up one item that relates to Christmas. Because we're in the Christmas season again. I love this. Yeah. So tonight, or this morning, or however, what are we going to say this morning? Uh, you say tomato, I'll say tomato. <laughs> tomato, I'll say tomato. Say, you say potato, okay. I'll say potato. Let's get called the whole thing off. Yeah, no. Oh. We'll call it. Right now. We're not going to call it yesterday, today, or tomorrow. It's right now. What do you want to call it? You want to call it night? What I sent to Walden was How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which is narrated by Boris Karloff. It is the audio of the Grinch cartoon that plays every year. Also starring, obviously, also starring... Um, Boris Karloff, and he does such a wonderful job with this kid's story. I just love it, and Walden said we could play it tonight. So we're going to hear How the Grinch Stole Christmas, narration by Boris Karloff with a, a couple of really great songs in there, but Boris Karloff is just so fabulous with with his voice. He, he was just terrific. So if Walden is all queued up there. I'm ready. We can we can listen to the Grinch. Here we go.
every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Oh, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve, hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the wall lighted windows below in their town. For he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was busy now, hanging a holly who wreath. Trim up the tree with Christmas stuff, and bingo balls and hoop hoops up. Trim up the town with goo hoo gums and bears of pinks and wands. Trim every blessed window and trim every blessed door. Hang up hoo 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 fix. Then run out and get some more. Hang pantukas on the ceilings, pile pantunas on the floor. Trim every Electro who cardio schnooks. 
the hose, young and old, will sit down to a feast. And they'll feast, and they'll feast, and they'll feast, 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 feast. They'll feast on hoo pudding and rare hoo roast beast. Oh, roast beast is a feast I can't stand in the least. And then they'll do something I hate most of all. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, will stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'll stand hand in hand. Those fools will start singing. I put up with it now. I must stop Christmas from coming. But how? Then he got an idea. An awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. I know just what to do. The Grinch laughed in his throat. I'll make a quick Santa Claus hat and a coat. He chuckled and clucked. What a great Grinchy trick. With this coat and this hat, I'll look just like St. Nick. All I need is a reindeer. The Grinch looked around, but since reindeer are scarce, there was none to be found. Did that stop the Grinch? Ha! The Grinch simply said, If I can't find a reindeer, I'll make one instead. So he took his dog, Max, and he took some black thread, and he tied a big horn on the top of his head. Then he loaded some bags and some old empty sacks on the ramshackle sleigh, and he whistled for Max. And the wind said, get up! And the sleigh started down toward the homes where the hooves lay a snoozing in the cloud. were dark. No one knew he was there. All the hooves were all dreamy sweet dreams without care. 
when he came to the first little house on the square. This is stop number one. The old Grinchy Claws hissed as he climbed to the roof, empty bags in his fist. Then he slid down the chimney, a rather tight pinch, but if Santa could do it then, so could the Grinch. He got stuck only once for a minute or two, then he stuck his head out of the fireplace flue where the little fool stockings hung all in a row. These stockings he grinched are the first things to go. and slunk with a smile most unpleasant around the whole room and he took every present pop guns, pampoonas, pantukas and drums, checkerboards, missile bigs, popcorn and plums and he stuffed them in bags then the crinch very nimbly stuffed all the bags one by one up the chimbley You're a mean one Mr. Grinch, you really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel. Mr. Grinch, you're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster. Mr. Grinch, your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot hole. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick crocodile. Then he slunk to the icebox. He took the Who's Feast. He took the Who Pudding. He took the Roast Beast. He cleaned out the icebox as quick as a flash. Why, that Grinch even took the last can of Who Hat. Then he stuffed all the food up the chimney with glee. And now, grinned the Grinch, I will stuff up the tree. As the Grinch took the tree, as he started to shout, he, he heard a small sound like the coo of a dove. He turned around fast and he saw a small foo, little Cindy Lou, who, who was no more than two. She stared at the Grinch and said, Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? But you know, that old Grinch was so smart and so slick, he thought up a lie and he thought it up quick. Why, my sweet little tot, the fake Santa Claus lied, there's a light on this tree that, that won't light on one side. So I'm taking it home to my workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there, then I'll bring it back here. And his fib fooled the child. Then he patted her head and he got her a drink and he sent her to bed. And when Cindy Lou Who was in bed with her cup, 
He crept to the chimney and stuffed the tree up. Then he went up the chimney himself, the old liar, and the last thing he took was the log for their fire. On their walls, he left nothing but hooks and some wire. And the one speck of food that he left in the house was a crumb that was even too small for a mouse. Then he did the same thing to the other whose houses, leaving crumbs much too small for the other whose mouses. You're a foul one, Mr. Grinch. You're a nasty, wasty skunk. Your heart is full of unwashed socks. Your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch. The three words that best describe you are as follows. And I quote, stink, stank, stunk. You're a rotter, Mr. Grinch. You're the king of sinful socks. Your heart's a dead tomato splotched with moldy purple spots, Mr. Grinch. Your soul is an appalling dumpy. Overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of deplorable rubbish imaginable. Mangled up in tangled up knots. You nauseate me, Mr. Grinch, with a nauseous super noss. You're a crooked jerky jockey and you drive a crooked horse, Mr. Grinch. You're a three-decker sauerkraut and toadstool sandwich with arsenic sauce. It was a quarter of dawn, all the who's still abed, all the who's still a snooze. He packed up his sled, packed it up with their presents, their ribbons, their wrappers, their snoop and their puzzles, their tringlers and trappings. Ten thousand feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip-top to dump it. He was grinchily humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang out for the minute or two. Then the who's down in Whoville will all cry, Boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. He paused, and the Grinch put a hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. Welcome, welcome, Father, who's 
chestnuts roasting on an open fire jack frost nipping at your nose yuletide carols being sung by a choir and folks dressed up like eskimos everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight they know that santa's on his way he's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh and every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeers really know how to fly and so i'm offering this simple phrase to kids from one to ninety-two although it's been said many times many ways merry So I'm offering this simple phrase to kids from one to ninety-two. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to And that's right, Patricia and I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Already. We're going to be wishing people Merry Christmas forever and ever and ever. Because for Walden, Christmas never goes away. Uh Uh-uh. It's here. It's here with me. Do you know who sang You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch? My first guess, when I first heard it before, it caught off. Everybody, I, I say everybody, people, apparently, because I, I looked up all of this stuff trying to find out who sang it, and I did. Yeah. People have thought it was Boris Karloff because he's got such a, oh, I don't know, kind of an, it, it wasn't an evil voice. It no, it was a bit more, it was a, he got a, an, an English baritone voice. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't Boris Karloff, it was Thurl. Ravenscroft. Oh, yes. The who famous. Did, who did work for. Disney? A lot of work for Disney and. 
He was also one of the original Jack Benny sportsmen back in the 41. Uh-huh. Uh, he was also Tony the Tiger. Tony the Tiger. And he was right. also, he was also on a big number one hit in 1954. Backed up <laughs> Rosemary Clooney. What was that? I haven't read the whole thing here. What what did he did in 1954? What did he did? What You know this song. This old house. <gasps> did he do that, that one? Was, that was him. Yep. Well, my goodness. But what a wonderful voice he has. And I, I was expecting to find this... He lived in his... ...of a man in the picture. And he's... I don't, I don't have a full body, just a, a headshot. Yep. But he looks like a perky little squirt. Yeah, he was uh, in a, lived in lived near me here in Orange County, California. Huh? Uh, lived in Fulton, California, until he passed away in his 90s. Oh, my goodness. And uh, any time that Disney needed him, they would send the limousine to go pick him up. Oh, what a joy he is to listen to yep. in The Grinch. Yep. Oh, does he have that song down or what? Yep. Well, anyway, that's my Christmas for tonight, and I just love The Grinch. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love The Grinch. So, it was fun. Actually, I love Boris Karloff, and he happens to do The Grinch. But The Grinch is good. The Grinch was a very fun story. Tell me about The Grinch, the story itself. The story itself. The Grinch is a creature who lived up in a mountain that overlooked the little town of Whoville. And the little residents of Whoville were always happy, and the Grinch was a grump. And he just couldn't believe that there were critters in the world who could be happy all the time. And when it came to be Christmas, they were celebrating, they were putting up decorations, they were having a wonderful time, and, uh, it, and really in the holiday spirit. And the Grinch just couldn't believe this, and he wasn't part of it. And I think that was probably the message in there, was... Um, you can be jealous that other people are having fun, or you can join in the fun. And he decided that he would make the, the little Who's in Whoville miserable for Christmas by stealing their Christmas. So after they went to bed, he sneaked down with his dog, and he loaded up all of their presents and took the tree and all of their decorations and ran back up the mountain with all of these things. So when the little Who's woke up in the morning, there was no Christmas. There were no presents. There was no tree. There was nothing. But they sang anyway because it was Christmas. It was Christmas was the special day. Christmas was a celebration, a day to celebrate. The Christmas was, in, the Christmas was inside them rather than the... Uh, exactly. Yes. It, it was the day. It was the thought. It was the feeling. It yeah. was inside of them. And the Grinch could not understand why they were happy, even though he had stolen all of the physical things about their Christmas. And he figured it out that maybe it wasn't the gifts after all. Maybe it was what was inside them. And the end of the story was that the Grinch went down and joined them. He brought back all of the Christmas goodies, and uh, he, he got to be happy, too. So who wrote the story? Was it Dr. Seuss? Who wrote yes, the story? It was. It was a Dr. Seuss. I was going to ask you if yeah. you recognized from the writing who yeah. probably was. I, I remember in this early 70s, I had a little, little kid looking at the Dr. Seuss drawings, I think, and that's how I, I always associate it with being Dr. Seuss. Well, it was a Dr. Seuss. I think only Dr. Seuss could write something as fun with as many silly words that you understood. I mean, there are words in there 
that are not part of the English language, and you know just what he's talking about, which was one of the wonderful things about Dr. Seuss. Yeah. So anyway, that's one of my favorites. I just love the way Boris Karloff does the narrations in there. Well, now, now, what's the history behind Boris Karloff? Did he do the TV? Did he put it out as a record? Did he delve into the uh, Boris Karloff Association? TV was the first issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, I say TV. Yeah, it was a made-for-TV cartoon. It's Mm -hmm. a half-hour cartoon. And he did the half-hour cartoon, and then they took the soundtrack and turned it into a recording. So the television part came first. And then the record. The record, the recording that we just heard was cut in 1966. Let me see when The Grinch was made, the cartoon. See, homework. You ask me questions, I should have these answers immediately. No. Immediately. And I didn't. Okay, let me see. Grinch, Grinch, Grinch. Grinch, Grinch. Grinch, Grinch, Grinch. Grinch. A Grinch. Ugly, ugly Grinch. Next Saturday, everybody, if everything goes right, Patricia's going to interview Timmy of the TV glassy fame. John Provost should be uh-huh. with us. So that should be a nice highlight for uh, for next Saturday. That'll be great. Okay, the Grinch first appeared in a 1957 children's book. And it was 1966 that it went into the popular television special. And 1966 was the date of the recording that I sent to you. So they must have issued the recording at the same time they did the television special, like it was a, a duel. Um, you know, everybody loved the Grinch on, on television, yeah. so they wanted to buy the music. Well, it's a wonderful production. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And the cartoon is wonderful. Yeah, I remember that, looking at Grinch. that as a kid. Um, oh, it, it, the, the Grinch was just such an ugly creature to mm-hmm. look at. Mm-hmm. And... Still, he wasn't scary or anything. He was just ugly. <laughs> An ugly green creature who wanted to steal Christmas. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> so that was my Christmas for this week. Hooray. I don't know what we'll come up with next week, but it will be something. It will be something. Okay, Um. what else do I have here? we got lots of stuff. What stuff is that? What's Turkey Day. Turkey stuff like day. that That's there. We stuff doing. like that there. What's the stuff like that there? And, and, <laughs> stuff like that there. I did want to mention, I, because I, I sent this to you, it jogged my memory, that I do have a file of narrations. I have Basil Rathbone doing A Christmas Carol, The Adventures of Oliver Twist, Edgar Allan Poe, The Happy Prince, uh, and other Oscar Wilde tales, and so on down the line. And he also did selections from the Jungle Books. That's cool. Richard Kipling's Jungle, Jungle Books. Very nice. And in that same collection of narrations, I have Boris Karloff, who did, um, I, I also, I sneaked in some horror radio shows in there. <laughs> but in the narrations, he did just so stories with Rudyard Kipling. He did The Pied Piper, The Ugly Duckling, a lot of children's stories, and of course The Grinch is in there as well. So um, for people who really enjoy, oh, I got a Charles Dickens in there as well. What do you know? And, oh, The Gildersleeve, The Great Gildersleeve. Mm -hmm. Um, Hal Perry also did a children's series, and he did four 
recordings. I've only got two. Uh, there were two in a, in a single issue and then two more in a single issue. Right. I have Snow White and Red Rose, and these stories are read by Hal Perry or the Great Gildersleeve. I have the other two. Oh, you do? Yeah. I've got the oh, main stock and... Let me, let me rephrase that. Yeah. You do? Uh-huh. Do you have these two? Uh, I don't. I do not. <gasps> oh, then we could trade. We could trade. Oh, very cool. Okay. Well, I have these two, and you have the... Which, which are the other two? I can't Jack recall. Jack the Beanstalk. Yeah. And I said, what the king? The king was... Oh, King Midas? King Midas, I think, is the other one. Okay. Well, that's great. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I will... I may have already put these, but I'll check. You probably did. Check. It's a good thing I didn't tape up your your stack of CDs yet. Okay, this is really cool. So anyway, for anyone who enjoys something like The Grinch, I have a whole file of goodies that you might enjoy listening to. But I love The Grinch. And how, how do you get those goodies, Patricia? Oh, I go around in my underground caves. I have, really, caves that I have spent... <sighs> who knows, months locating. And there are a couple of very special sites that are kind of closed circles. There's, there's one that's um, very limited access. And they come up occasionally. That's where I found the Grinch. And so how can people get these from you? Well, they can answer some trivia questions. That's right. They can call, can't they? Or if... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, you're so lovable, Walt. <laughs> um, yes. And if they're a first-time caller, if we've never talked with you, you can call Bill during the week. You can call other people. But if Walden and I have never talked to you on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. then you automatically get a CD with shows on it. And one of the selections is this wonderful collection of narrations. Oh, super duper. Apple Rathbone did Mr. Toad. I don't know Mr. Toad. How about Mr. Toad Wild Ride? Could it come from uh, the Sweeping Whittle? I don't know. I don't know. It says That's... Mr. Toad and Tiki Talk. Well, the only Mr. Toad I know is the Mr. Toad Wild Ride at Disneyland, and I think that came from the, the novel Sweepy Hollow. Sweepy Willow or something like that. Well, Sweepy Hollow, yeah. Sleepy Hollow is a real place. Right, but I think there was an actual, a, a children's book, and I'm trying, I'm probably blowing it, where Mr. Toad's Wild Ride comes from. Hmm, well, this is, I, I've never listened to this, I should listen to it, uh -huh. um, narrated by Basil Rathbone, it's Mr. Toad and Tiki Talk. Let me see, maybe Mr. Ta Toad and Tiki Talk, two different, oh, they're two different stories. Mr. Toad, this is a very faithful audio rendition of the probably not-so-faithful but exceedingly charming Disney animation film or animated film version of Ken Graham's The Wind and the Willows. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, of? The Winds and the, Winds and the Willows. That's it. The Wind and the Willows. It was a children's book. The recording features most of the original cast of the wonderfully fruity, <laughs> I don't know who wrote this, um, Eric Bloor as the eccentric Mr. Toad and J. Pat O'Malley, a familiar character, uh, I hate it when people put entire paragraphs inside of parentheses. I have children. If you've never read that one, Patricia, I have children books you should read sometimes. It's a great book. Well, I don't even have to read it. I can just put my headset on That's and true. let Mr. Rathbone do the work for me That's while I'm true. doing other stuff. That's true. That'll be, oh, oh, 
Tiki Talk, Tiki Talk, one of the great simple children's records, Tiki Talk, the clock that couldn't tell time, is extremely well cast and produced. It's really a shame that the cover art, da, 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 da. Grandfather Clock and Farmer appear to the Pinto Colvig. They, why do they put names that I can't pronounce? <laughs> Goofy Bozo and Grump. Oh, uh, Van Colvig, maybe? Pinto Colvig, it says. Hmm. Um, it, it's a character, or okay. a group of characters, I okay. guess. And the quintessential Arthur Q. Bryan is Tickety Talk. Hmm. He's the clock. Arthur Q. Bryan is in there. Tickety Talk. Tickety Talk. The mouth went up the clock. The okay. clock went one. Talk, the clock that couldn't tell time is the name of the story. Hmm. So I wonder why it's in a Basil Rathbone file. You're going to have to listen to it sometime. I will? Yeah. Oh, I will. Yeah. Mr. Toad by Basil Rathbone. Well, I will listen to it and report back. I should have anticipated these questions. I hope you'll forgive me. <laughs> no, no, no. I you forgive me? No, I'll always forgive you. You know you have complete run of the, run of the house. But you know how my mind wanders, you know, that's why. Yes, it does. It does. I don't, I like having the flexibility to ask questions on the fly. Okay, I have, I have a new, a new question for you. Please do. It's a turkey question. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. All right, gobble let's, question. Go. let's go. Question is, and I wrote this out really carefully. Hold on. Ah, okay, here's the question. Here's the question. Who was the first president to formally use formally use the word pardon in referring to the gift of the Thanksgiving turkey in the White House? Mm-hmm. Who issued the first official pardon? I would nominate Thomas Jefferson. You're a little early. Okay. How about Andrew Jackson? You're very early. Well, he's the seventh by the United States. Okay. Well, okay. Abraham Lincoln, the number 16th by the United States. Well, that's really interesting. Um, now, Lincoln got a bird. Let me see here. There we go. From Abraham Lincoln, 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 library staff. Um, okay. Who the spare the first gobbler? One charming bit of folklore lays that honor at the feet of Abraham Lincoln. But it's mm. not really true. Um, he, he did, however, turn a turkey loose <laughs> because <laughs> his little boy named him Jake. So, <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the most famous presentation of a holiday turkey was to Harry Truman. Really? Yeah. Um, How about that? You know, presidents had been given turkeys all along, but President Truman was, um, he, they, they played it up big. In 1947, uh, there's a, a good-sized picture that circulates, a press picture, of Harry Truman accepting a live turkey that was presented to him by the National Turkey Federation, which has continued the 
practice of giving the White House a holiday turkey every year or giving the president a holiday turkey. And it's frequently laid on Harry Truman that he issued the first pardon 